The Healthy Charleston podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, we are talking about anterior pelvic tilt. So I'm going to give you two cases where it matters. And if those cases don't relate to you, then I'm going to tell you what you should do instead if you're dealing with any pain or any limitation. So I got my water, got my coffee. Let's do this. Anterior pelvic tilt is a hot topic. This term is everywhere. We get a lot of questions about it. Patients ask about it. It's all over social media. Do I have anterior pelvic tilt? So let's talk about it. It's important to know that if you're worried about anterior pelvic tilt, it's probably because you either have back pain, hip pain, limited range of motion, limited function, or something is wrong. Something is holding you back. You have a a problem. And we want to solve that, which means you probably need a full assessment and you'll understand why soon. So first, what is anterior pelvic tilt? Anterior pelvic tilt is actually just a position that our pelvis rests in. So In the front of your pelvis, we're going to get a little bit interactive here. You're going to put your hands on your hips. And if you are a normal person, when you put your hands on your hips, your fingers will be on the front of your body and your your thumbs will be on the back of your body. If you do it the other way, then you're probably just a little extra sassy. I like that too, but flip it around, thumbs on the back. So hands on your hips, you have these bony landmarks. They're called your anterior superior iliac spines. From now on, we will call them your ASIS or ASIS's, which is fun to say. In the back of your pelvis, you have your posterior superior iliac spines, otherwise known as your PSIS or PSIS's. Also fun. So if you're standing, hands on your hips, your thumbs are probably on your PSIS or near it, those little dimples in the back, little bony landmarks. And your fingertips are probably on your ASIS, unless you just have really tiny hands or potentially massive hands. So anterior pelvic tilt describes a position where your PSISs sit higher than your ASIS. So you can make this like really exaggerated, like stick your butt out and arch your back. That's an, that's an anterior pelvic tilt, like in range of motion. And then posterior pelvic tilt describes a position where your PSISs sit lower than your ASIS, like you're you're squeezing your butt, you're tucking your hips in. Think like if you've ever done a cat cow, you're going through both of these motions. There's definitely some controversy as to which one's the cat, which one's the cow. I think, I don't know if there's that much controversy. When your back is flatter and you're like looking up, 
you're in an anterior pelvic tilt. And then when you push the floor away and round your back and look down, your pelvis is in a posterior pelvic tilt. Okay. So if you find something, you're still standing hands on your hips and you're like, why am I doing this? Find something that feels like neutral, feels like normal for you. You may notice that your fingers are like slightly lower than your thumbs or your, your ASIS is lower than your PSIS. And that is normal. And that is an anterior pelvic tilt. So turns out anterior pelvic tilt is a perfectly normal position that our pelvis rests in. And like 80% of normal healthy people have this resting standing posture or position. And it's actually what's taught in school as anatomical neutral, which is not super important, but basically says that when you look at most people's spines and bony anatomy, that's just the things the, that's just the position that things rest in. It doesn't mean that any deviations from that are abnormal. I'm just trying to highlight the fact that while anterior pelvic tilt has been completely demonized as a bad position and as something that's causing your pain or dysfunction, there's actually nothing wrong with it. So not only is it a completely normal position and 80% of people naturally stand in it, but those people are healthy and normal. They don't have pain or dysfunction at all. And consistently, the evidence does not support any correlation between anterior pelvic tilt and pain or dysfunction. It has been thoroughly studied. And if you want those research articles, all the links are in the show notes below. So now not only is anterior pelvic tilt is a position, it's also a movement. Just like if you bend your knees, that's knee flexion. Or if you straighten your knees, that's knee extension. So anterior pelvic tilt is a position that our pelvis can rest in. And it's also a movement just like posterior pelvic tilt, just like the opposite. So it's not a diagnosis because we don't go around diagnosing people. Oh, you have elbow flexion. Yeah. I also have elbow extension or, oh, you have knee flexion because those things are not a diagnosis. They're just a term for a movement that your body does or a position that your body can get in. And they most importantly do not cause pain or dysfunction. They're not bad for you because they are movements that your body was designed to do. And our bodies aren't, aren't dumb without getting too much into this. We don't have this like forbidden fruit of movement that yes, we have the bones and the structures and the tissues and the muscles and the force to produce this movement, but we're not supposed to do it. That doesn't really make sense. So Anterior pelvic tilt, position, totally normal. Movement, that's totally normal. Just like the opposite, just like posterior pelvic tilt. So the most frustrating thing about anterior pelvic tilt is that when you're given this label, you probably have a problem that caused you to kind of seek this out. And then someone or something gave you this label. And this label doesn't even help you figure out what's causing your pain or help you get rid of it or explain anything about why you're experiencing pain. So now we have all these people walking around with back and hip pain and limited function and actual problems who have been told it's because anterior pelvic tilt, but this actually doesn't give you any insight or solutions or explanations for your pain. It probably just makes you really afraid of a normal position and makes you feel limited and have to avoid things. So that would be like saying, oh, you have back pain. It's because your elbow flexes. <laughs> Oh, you have back pain. It's because your back rounds. Oh, you have back pain. It's because your back extends. That's like saying you have back pain because the sky is blue, which in my opinion, it doesn't help people. 
you're now saying you have pain because your body does this movement. So instead, let's give people real solutions to their problems. And that's what I am here to do today. So we need to look deeper. Maybe you do rest in a bit of a a more anterior pelvic tilt than your friend sitting next to you, but I bet your faces look different too. And so it doesn't mean that the deviation or the fact that y'all are different means that one person is normal and the other person is not normal and that the abnormality is going to cause pain. So instead, you want to get a full assessment to look at a few things. Range of motion, and this is if you you have a problem or you're concerned, even if you're just concerned, like, hey, I think I might have this thing. You want to look at range of motion, your strength, comfort and tolerance in certain positions, your overall function, your movement, your history of injuries, your health history, um, volume, what you're doing in the gym for physical activity, other stressors, your recovery potential. So how well are you sleeping, managing your stress and eating? And all of those things should be centered around your specific issues and goals. That will help you actually figure out what's contributing to your pain. So then we can help you get out of pain and be comfortable and confident with any movement or position. So related to anterior pelvic tilt, these are the two cases I talked about earlier. We're going to check for two things. If you come in with one of these complaints, or if you come in with, I was told I have anterior pelvic tilt, what does this mean? Okay. So one, if you are stuck in anterior pelvic tilt, which means you cannot move your pelvis into another position, then yes, this is concerning and definitely something that we'd want to solve. Just like if you were stuck in knee extension or you couldn't bend your knee, or if you couldn't straighten your elbow all the way, or you couldn't bend your elbow all the way, that's something that's probably limiting your life. And it might be a little bit painful. So that's one case, but it's not that the position is inherently bad or injurious. It's that you're stuck and you just need access and more ranges of motion in all positions. It's very similar to posture. It's not that one position is good or bad for you, It's that we need access to all positions. So another case when it matters, if anterior pelvic tilt or posterior pelvic tilt or any motion is painful for you, then we also want to solve that. So that's like every time you arch your back, every time you go into anterior pelvic tilt, or maybe the opposite, every time you tuck your hips in and round your back, posterior pelvic tilt or lumbar flexion, every time you do a motion, it's painful. Then yes, of course that we want to solve that. But again, it's, it's not because the motion is bad for you. So we'd want to look at how do we feel if we one spend less time temporarily in the painful position to give you some relief, especially if you're experiencing like a lot of pain, we just, we got to get some relief. We got to decrease pain. We got to calm down the nervous system, calm down the pain. So spend less time temporarily in the painful position to give you some relief and then potentially doing some other things to calm down the pain. And then also two, by starting to gradually expose your body and tissues to desensitize them to the previously painful movement or position. Because if you are having pain with, a, with one of those motions, Again, those motions are available to you. You're not doing anything wrong 
Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do those motions. Like if you have pain raising your shoulder overhead, it's not that that motion is damaging you or it's not that you're not supposed to do it. It means that for some reason right now, your body and your tissues are either really sensitive of that motion, maybe they've experienced a lot of stress recently, or maybe they're unprepared for what you're doing. And it's all a signal to get your attention. So if you have back pain, hip pain, or really any kind of pain, but neither of those previous cases really applied to you. So you're not, you're not stuck in a certain position and both of the positions feel fine. Then that's where the assessment really comes in. Normally we do this, you know, one-on-one in person, but I'm going to talk you through an assessment so that you can start kind of doing this yourself and start decreasing pain and start making progress towards your goals and honestly just start feeling better. So first, think about the full history of everything going on with your pain, your injury, your current problem or complaint. And try to go deep. Try to gather as much information as possible. You're like a detective. This is going to start helping you connect the dots to figure out patterns. And certain patterns mean certain things. And it'll just help you figure out what is all potentially contributing, what was going on in my life when this happened or when this started. Look at any past injuries. When did this start? What irritates it? What makes it feel better? And also get a full picture of your health overall. So what are you doing for physical activity? Does anything in the gym or exercise-wise seem to make this problem worse? Um, What kind of amounts of activity are you doing? Have you had any big changes recently? What does your nutrition look like? How do you feel about your sleep, your overall recovery, your stress levels, um, work life, you know, just a full picture of everything going on of you. All of these things play a big role in pain and injuries. So our goal here is one, to get a full understanding of what's going on and two, to start figuring out a baseline of where you're at. So right now, if you're experiencing a lot of pain and you're doing all of these things, maybe you're, you're running five days a week, you're biking five days a week. I don't know, something related to exercise. And also maybe you're, you're doing this in terms of nutrition. This is what your sleep looks like. This is what your stress levels look like. This is what your overall recovery looks like. So all these things, think of those things as ingredients. And you're experiencing a lot of pain. So that means we need to change something. Because the current recipe of all the ingredients is not giving us the beautiful, fabulous, amazing, delicious banana bread that we're hoping for when we open the oven. So the current recipe we're cooking with is giving us pain, discomfort, limitations, frustration, annoyance, overwhelm. And so if nothing changes, nothing changes. But we just described a ton of different variables to change. That doesn't mean we need to change them all. All of those variables having a role in pain is actually a really cool thing because it means there's a lot of opportunity for change because I'm not a professional baker by any means. I am a physical therapist, but I would imagine if you have a recipe and you go and potentially mess it up and you get this thing that you did not want. Personally, if I were to start, I would not change everything at once. I would maybe try to find the thing that I think that had the biggest impact and change one thing. Really, it's that all of these different variables do not 
all need to be changed. Would it be helpful potentially to change a few of them? Maybe, depends on you and and how those things look. But it means that we could literally change one thing slightly and the recipe is now amazing and now we have amazing banana bread and you're not in pain, you feel great. But it's important, we gotta figure out what all went into this recipe because if you just said, I, I made banana bread with bananas, okay, well, that doesn't tell us all of the other things. I'll stop talking about bananas, maybe, eventually. So something really important that we always ask our patients, are you experiencing pain during a certain exercise, after exercise, or maybe after a session in the gym or after a run, or both? So is it during, in the moment, or is it after? So painful during, oh, I just got another, another analogy. That would be like, if you are starting to like blend the banana bread and all of a sudden it like just gets gross. Like, you know, when the texture changes and you're like, this is not good. This is not going to be good. I've done that before. And it was like the butter was too hot and there were all these little clumps. I really don't make banana bread that often. It's just like what my brain goes to. So painful during something is going on during while you are baking this recipe. We're going to treat that a little differently than someone who's just experiencing pain, potentially the 24 to 48 hours after the movement and exercises. So the difference is we need to modify the recipe then and there before we put it into the oven, because we know if we put it into the oven and we got clumps of butter in there, probably taking a chance on this banana bread. But if everything looks really good and we feel good about it and we're going to try it, but then we get the banana bread out of the oven and it's not good, then we're going to change it. So is it painful during, after, or both? That will tell us if we need to treat things a little differently. In the case of painful after, so 24 to 48 hours after the movements and exercises, you notice an increase in pain beyond baseline. And I like to say baseline because sometimes people are just dealing with like a resting level of pain so we really want to look for changes in that. In that case, the after effect, it's going to be more load and volume related. That's what we're going to change. And that's what contributed to the pain is the overall amount of stress. But if it's painful during, we need to do more things in the moment to desensitize, calm things down on the front end so that we can gain comfortable access to these positions not push through pain so much that we further sensitize, um, not push through pain because pain is, while it is a signal, it can be a useful signal. If you're baking something and you're like, this is not going to be good, you'd change it. So that's really what that's about. So now still thinking about like trying to gather all the information, think about your goals. You're probably dealing with something that you want to get rid of. So why is it important for you to get rid of it? Or why is it important for you to improve the way that you feel? And also, what would success look like for you? That's really important. How are we measuring success and defining that in six months from now, if you weren't dealing with this, or if you did feel better, how would you feel? How would your life be different? Like, how would I know? How would you know? How are we gonna measure success? And what would you be doing differently? Also, on the other side of that, Think about in six months, if you were still dealing with what you're currently dealing with, how does that feel? How would that be affecting your life? 
what would you be doing or potentially not doing? All right, so now it's time to move. So you really wanna look at all joints related to this specific issue. You wanna look at passive, active range of motion, AKA, do you have this range of motion but you just can't access it actively? Are your tissues limited as well? What happens when you move in certain ways? Specific to your back, let's say it's back pain, we're gonna look at all motions that your back does. Flexion, extension, side bending, rotation, hinging, and also looking at any any specific movements and positions that are that are painful or irritating and seeing what those movements and positions look like and what do they have in common and when we start kind of tweaking things what what happens so already we're kind of changing the recipe like in the in the session in the moment so a really simple version of that during this assessment we're going to start trying out different movements related to maybe painful movements to see how your body feels. And what we're doing here is we're trying to find a tolerable baseline or entry point. We're trying to figure out how does your body respond? How does the recipe respond when we change it? So a simple version of that, if you have back pain with bending over, really common, there's a certain stimulus being applied to your tissues when you do this. And maybe it's not necessarily just when you bend over. Maybe it's when you bend over to pick something up, or maybe it's when you bend over and you move a certain way. So through what we've already done and talked about, we can kind of figure out what those tissues involved are, what the stimulus is, what's our range of motion look like? Do we have access to what we need to have access to? Do you have a previous injury that may be making things sensitive? Is your body feeling like there's a potential threat? So we're going to start breaking that movement down into smaller movements, and we're going to start more conservatively. So you're going to break that stimulus and movement down into parts, because again, we're trying to find a tolerable entry point because a huge part of getting you out of pain and getting certain movements more comfortable is graded exposure. And that means starting with something that feels safe, still feels safe, but it still puts demand on you in those problem areas. And it's still specific to the thing that we're trying to improve. If you have back pain bending over and I'm like, okay, we'll just bend your knee. Yes, bending your knee is a fine thing to do, but is it specifically related to bending your back? And so it needs to be specific enough so that the the adaptations that we get also help the adaptations that we want to get. So still feel safe put some demand on you, you need to increase from there as you tolerate and recover from it. Eventually getting to the point where those tissues, that movement and your body and system in general, you've adapted to being able to handle the stress of that movement or we've now desensitized that movement. So we have shown through repetition and practice, safe practice that hey, that movement, it was previously scary, but now we're okay with it. Now your back feels okay with it. And so we want that. We want that adaptation. We want you to be able to handle that stress and movement for your goals. So basically, we've talked a little bit about kind of managing stress, changing the recipe. We are stress managers here because there's all these, or recipe managers, but yeah, there's all of these different variables because you're a human. 
and actually not a recipe. That would be a little bit easier. This is a very complicated science experiment, but it's okay. You're a human. So in the assessment, that's why we need to gather all of the puzzle pieces that we can. And then we need to put them together for you to tell you what we found, what we think is going on based on those findings. You know, what do those findings tell us? And then we create a plan of we're going to, we're going to dose this, we're going to adjust this variable, and then we're going to see how we respond. And then we can hypothesize if we dose this correctly and we do this correctly and we adjust this, we will get you towards your goals. But it's about figuring out what are all the variables at play here? What are the things that we know either maybe they're not super involved or there's no reason for those things to be affecting this? And then we're going to choose the variables that I like low hanging fruit, like the things that we don't need to make a huge change to have a huge impact to get you towards your goals. So like, for example, load and volume is a big low hanging fruit that just a little change can help you feel a lot better. But again, that's, that's kind of just the short term, the temporary solution, because eventually you probably do want to be able to handle that load and volume. So we just need to temporarily maybe change it a little bit and then slowly build back up so that it is something that you're prepared for. So it's like, based on your goals, what do those require of you? What skills do you need for those goals? What movements or loads do you need to be able to tolerate, recover from, and adapt to? Like what things do you need to practice? What things and movements and positions does your body need to get comfortable with and build the capacity for? And then on the other end, so your pain or injury, or maybe it's just the fact that you haven't met these goals. Hey, I want to hit this weight, or I want to lose this weight, or I want to be able to do this in the gym, and you haven't met that. The problem shows us that either we've been placing more load or stress on our bodies than it currently can or wants to tolerate. So that would be in the case of pain or injury, more load and stress than it can tolerate or handle, or potentially it's sensitive to those or load is exceeding capacity and your body is telling you of a potential threat or you just haven't done the things that we need to do to get you to those goals. Like if someone says, I want to run three miles and I can't yet, but then we haven't started running or maybe we're only running half a mile one day a week and never progressing it, then okay, we just need to change some of the things that we're doing to get you towards your goals that are going to prepare your body for that goal and the demands of that goal. Another banana bread. There it is. Another analogy is if you're like, I want to make banana bread for 10 people, but I just keep using two bananas and it doesn't make enough banana bread. Okay. Well, let's change the recipe here. So bring it all back. We started with back pain and hip pain related to anterior pelvic tilt. So coming back to that anterior pelvic tilt, what most people struggle with, with back pain or hip pain is either back flexion, like rounding in a cat cow, or back extension, like a Superman. Sometimes people struggle with side bending or rotation, or just simply like volume related to hinging movements. Hip related, it's common that people have pain in in the front of their hips with squatting, uh, deep hip flexion, any kind of hip flexion, hip extension, or internal and external rotation. So what I want you to do is if you're experiencing one of those problems, 
This is a super simplified solution. Walk yourself through that assessment I just described. Pick one movement, one movement that is painful or limited, and break that movement down into different smaller parts. You can do that by modifying the range of motion, the load, the speed, the intensity, or you may need to do a completely different movement that still targets the same area. And what you want to make sure of the smaller movement that you choose is that it meets these four requirements. One, is it similar, specific, or placing a similar or specific stimulus on the tissues or the movement that I want to improve? Basically, is it related to the movement that was painful at all? If I have foot pain and I'm going to choose a movement that involves me bringing my chin to my chest. So just like bring, like moving my neck, that's a great movement, but it's not specific to the problem. It needs to be specific to the problem. If I want to get better at playing piano and my process goal is I want to take a walk, it's not specific enough to help me get better at playing piano. So four requirements, one specific, two, it's tolerable, but you still feel something in the area where you normally experience some discomfort. So this sensation is not threatening. It's just sensation. Let's say you have pain squatting and we choose a movement where you're bending your knees, you're placing a similar stress and load on the things that we want to improve, but you're not feeling anything. You're like, this is totally normal. Unless there's a lot of fear involved or potentially like post-op surgery, healing tissues, or just a big history of this. I'm probably going to take it up a notch and find something that just feels like a little bit more. Okay. So, so far it's specific and it's tolerable. Three, it feels safe. It doesn't worry you or it doesn't distract you. If it did not feel safe, it does worry you or distract you after we'd kind of talk that out, we'd probably take it down a notch. We'd probably modify it because I want it to feel safe. We definitely want to start conservative here. You can always cut more hair off instead of just shaving your head and having to wait for it to grow back. So it's specific, it's tolerable, it feels safe. Four, it's recoverable. So this is super important for you to check in with yourself about. After the exercise, after the session, after the 24 to 48 hours after, your pain or your symptoms don't increase from baseline. Or if they do increase, it stays tolerable. So it might increase a little bit, but you're like, hey, Hannah, like it was still like a one or two and it was totally fine. Didn't worry me. Okay. So that increase was fine. We're probably not going to go up yet. We're probably going to stay until we don't get an increase, but that's where the adjustment of the variables and the dosage is just changing depending on how you respond to it. So to go back over it, walk yourself through the assessment, pick one movement that's currently painful, limited, or giving you some symptoms that you don't like. Three, break that movement down into a smaller part and make sure that movement that you choose is tolerable, it's specific, it feels safe, and it's recoverable. Now you're going to do that movement regularly for a couple of weeks. And depending on what movement we chose and the, the load of it, and the stress of it will help you decide, is this something that I can do every day? Is this just, you know, me bringing my, my arm overhead? That's something that you can definitely do every day. 
If it's something that requires some weight and you're like, I'm doing three sets of 10, three sets of eight, of eight you don't need to do that every day. But you're going to do a movement regularly for a couple of weeks. And after doing that for a certain amount of time, what you'll notice is that you either no longer experience sensation with it or you just feel ready for something more. So now you need to take it up a notch. Now you need to progress it. This is where most people mess up. And this is why most people, their PT exercises, they're just laying on a table the whole time. That can be helpful in like the first week or two sometimes, definitely. But if you never progress it, you never make progress. That's where most people forget. They don't continuously change and progress the exercises. They do the same exercises over and over. And the whole point of graded exposure is that it's graded. And to get to your goals, we slowly have to take steps to get to the top of the staircase. We have to add more amounts of stress if we want your body to be capable of more stress. If you want to run three miles and all we ever do is run one mile, we're not ever progressing for you to get to that goal. So now you're going to progress range of motion, weight, intensity, speed, pick one variable, something specific to the full movement and something specific and related to your goals. So if it's picking something off of the floor, you can increase the range of motion, maybe hold the position for longer, add more reps, more load. There's a lot of different options here. So you're going to do that and you're going to make small changes over time until your body is prepared, essentially until you meet your goal. Until your body is fully prepared and capable and has been trained to handle that stress in certain movements, you're going to walk up the stairs one step at a time until you get to the, st- the top of the staircase. And then honestly, with most people, there's another staircase and they're like, well, now I want that. Okay. Well, same process. We're going to take one step at a time. So if you think about it, none of that involved fixing your posture or fixing your anterior pelvic tilt. One, because it's not something that needs fixing unless, of course, you are stuck in it and we want you to be able to move. And two, because instead of avoiding movements, avoiding movements only makes your body more sensitive to those movements and more unprepared, unprepared. Instead of that, we want you to have full freedom. You want full capability to move however you want related to your goals and related to your life. And that's what makes this the long-term solution is that avoidance only ever ends in now I'm limited and now I can't do this. It only ever ends in no. Movement freedom ends in yes. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can pick that up. Yes, I can mow the lawn. I mean, maybe you don't want to. Yes, I can clean the couch. Yes, I can lift that weight. Yes, I can do that run. Yes, I can go do this. That's what makes this a long-term solution. Because if all you ever do If all you ever do is just turn off the check engine light without figuring out why it's coming on in the first place, it's just going to keep turning back on. When my check engine light comes on, I go to someone who knows how to figure out why it turned on. And then they tell me what to do and I do it. And it's normally an oil change, which is a helpful signal, a helpful signal for me to remind myself, oh, I need an oil change. And that's literally what what it's there for. Okay. So to recap, anterior pelvic tilt, there's only a couple of cases when it's really, really involved when like, that's the really important thing. 
And that's if you're, if you're stuck in it or if it's really painful. Otherwise, the diagnosis of anterior pelvic tilt or the term anterior pelvic tilt to describe why you have pain, it, it's not a thing. It does not actually solve or explain your problems because it's completely normal position and it's a very normal movement. And with back pain and hip pain and maybe other symptoms and pain in general, we want you to actually have a real explanation and a real solution. So anterior pelvic tilt, it's a normal position. It's a normal movement. It has, it has been demonized, but it's repeatedly shown to be safe and not dangerous and not correlated uh, with pain or dysfunction in the short term and the long term. So go out there, shake your pelvis, move in a lot of different ways, stand and sit in positions that are comfortable for you, change your position often and live a life of movement freedom. I hope this was helpful for you. Always trying to put out accurate and helpful health information to help you sift through all the information that we have access to these days. Check the show notes for those links. Please follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Otherwise, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening.